Metro has the best deal in wireless with affordable 5G phones so you can rule your day. Right now, switch to Metro and get the latest 5G phones like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Limited time offer. Requires port from eligible carrier, ID validation, and auto pay. Two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. Restrictions apply. See store or metrobytmobile.com for more details. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sarah A. Carter podcast show. I'm so happy to have you back with me. I'm here again at the beautiful Hillsdale College Kirby Center. It's an amazing radio room. We've got Madeline working here on producing this beautiful podcast. And I've got Jenny in the room, Jenny Tear. Please read her stories at sarahacarter.com. She is doing just about everything. She's amazing. I wouldn't know what to do without her. Um, again, at sarahacarter.com. There is so much news happening this past week. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Sometimes I feel like uh, my head's just going to explode because it's Russia. It's democratic debates. It's a horrible, horrible uh, shooting that happened at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. I mean, how how tragic was that? We have uh, three lives lost. And then additionally, that of the gunman. I just can't imagine. And I, I think I was just looking at the news early this morning and saw that there was a shooting at a Walmart uh, in the Midwest. I mean, really tragic uh, what's happened in our country and the fact that, you know, things like this happen where people feel so angry or something's going on and they pick up a weapon and try to take other people out. Uh, really, really sad sad situation. And I hope that, you know, we can all take a moment to just think about those people that have lost their lives so unexpectedly. But let's just go to Russia first, right? Let's start with developments in the F, uh, FBI, as well as the Department of Justice probe into the FBI's handling of the Russia investigation into President Trump and his campaign and everything that has transpired over the last two and a half years. First, let me begin with some news that I am hearing. I spoke with, uh, I don't know if you all know, but you should look him up, uh, former attorney uh, and uh, worked very closely uh, in the Justice Department, um, Joe DeGeneva, as well as Victoria Tunsing. I think you've seen them quite often on Fox News. They're on Lou Dobbs, as well as Sean Hannity's show and... At one point, uh, they were almost uh, at the White House. Uh, so anyways, I was talking to Joe DeGeneva, and I had heard him on a radio show the other day, and he was saying that very soon, according to his sources, uh, very soon there should be some of the information, the documents that had been turned over by the White House, uh, basically to Department of Justice Attorney General William Barr, those that were declassified by the president, uh, some of those documents may be coming out this week. 
that would be interesting. That would be very interesting because we want to know what's in those documents. They're related to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant that was taken out on Carter Page, which allowed the FBI to basically spy on Page uh, and those connections of Page's into the Trump campaign. And also, remember, we're we're hearing about exculpatory information. That is information that was basically kept from the courts, from the most secretive court in the land. This is the FISA court. I mean, basically, you don't have any representation there. So if the FBI uh, or the intelligence community, you know, particularly the FBI, is going to take out a warrant on you, you will have nobody there to represent you. They have to prove to the courts that all the information that they are delivering All the information that they are delivering to them is 100% accurate. It's been verified. It's been double-checked. There's a reason to be listening in on your phone calls with foreign actors and such. And there's a reason to be spying on you. This is where the problem was with Carter Page. What we're hearing now is that there was exculpatory information that would prove that Page never had anything to do with the Russians the way that the FBI had made it out, neither did George Papadopoulos, and that they were very clear to Stefan Halper, who was an informant, people like to call him a spy as well, an informant for the FBI, that they made it very clear to Stefan Halper that they were not working with the Russians and that that information was never handed over to the FISA courts. So this is going to be very interesting developments this week. If that does happen, I have not been able to verify that myself, uh, that the DOJ will be releasing this information. But if Joe DeGeneva is right, that's going to be really big news this week. So keep stay tuned. Keep coming to SarahCarter.com to check for updates. I promise you I will update you on those. I don't know if you all had a chance to see the story that I broke last week. It was on Friday. It's called The Russia Probe Twist, a billion-dollar CEO, a convicted Russian agent, and the FBI. And I got to tell you, I was in as much shock over this story as people were coming up to me saying, I had no idea. This is just unbelievable. And, you know, when I heard it, several weeks ago with Patrick Byrne is basically the CEO of the billion dollar retail chain overstock.com. And I received a call from him several weeks ago where he informed me that he had had a long time relationship between 2015 and 2018 uh, with Maria Butina. And to refresh your memories on who Maria Butina is, she was the Russian gal who was the gun rights activist, the libertarian who caused the huge uproar with the National Rifle Association, uh, the United States uh, government at the time, the FBI, apparently had believed or was trying to... I guess, spread information because we saw it in stories. We didn't know until 2018 that she was possibly a Russian spy. Come to find out there was no evidence to prove she was a Russian spy. But in 2018, they kind of twisted her arm. She pled guilty to being a foreign agent, which is a fair violation that she was basically, you know, working for a politician and didn't file the appropriate paperwork. Uh, She was uh, put in solitary confinement for some months and then um, basically is being held right now in a penitentiary in Florida, very low risk 
uh, facility when she'll be released October 25th, where she will then return back to Russia. What's interesting about this story, and I had to give you all that background, is that Patrick Byrne had met with her. Actually, she came up to him in July 2015 at the Freedom Fest, where he was speaking. So July 2015, Patrick Byrne's giving his big speech at the Freedom Fest. Maria Butina approaches him, tells him what a big fan she is, uh, that she's a libertarian, that she runs a group, is head of a group uh, in Russia and was appointed by General Kalishnikov. Kalishnikov. These names are so important. Most of you are pricing, who's General Kalishnikov? He did, what does he mean to us? Well, think about it. Kalishnikov. So he designed the AK-47. He's a big gun guy. Makes sense. He designed the AK-47. He's considered quite a hero in Russia. So he appoints Maria Butina to head this libertarian group in Russia. And she comes to the United States. Now, she's very excited because Patrick Byrne, of course, was kind of endowed by Milton Friedman to head his own libertarian group here in the United States. And uh, she goes up to him. Anyways, the next day at the Freedom Fest, he's speaking again. She comes up to him again, approaches him, says, Patrick, I would love to talk to you. Uh, this is why I'm an intellectual. I believe in what you're talking about. I want to bring that to Russia. I'd love to meet you. We'd love to bring you to Russia, actually, to come speak in Russia uh, at an event. You'll meet oligarchs, maybe and have an opportunity to meet President Putin, according to Patrick. Uh, he becomes a little bit nervous because, of course, she's Russian. He is um, with the Council on Foreign Relations as well, does a lot of work with them, has a what he called a low level security clearance, uh, didn't want anything happening. So he contacts the FBI, basically calls the FBI. This is July 2015. There's this young Rus Russian. She'd like to meet with me. Is there anything I should be concerned about? FBI apparently tells Patrick because the FBI would not speak with me. They would not comment on this story. Apparently, eventually tells Patrick, go ahead. You can date her. They gave him the green light. Eventually, he kept calling back and forth, back and forth. Or you can see her. And eventually what happened was they developed a relationship, an intimate relationship, Patrick and Maria Butina. But at the same time, Patrick Byrne, the CEO of Overstock.com, is reporting to the FBI, continuously talking to them about Maria Butina, giving them information about things that she has told him. And it's a back and forth relationship. And I'm going to tell you why this is important and why this plays into the whole Russia investigation. Because the FBI had information. The FBI basically had information that from Patrick Byrne on Maria Butina, allegedly. But she kept meeting with people in the Republican circles. Of course, she was dating Paul Erickson. There were other people uh, very well connected. He was a Republican strategist. And in fact, uh, she stopped dating Byrne to, to continue her relationship with Paul Erickson. And she was dragged into the courts. She was interviewed by everyone here at the DOJ off and on. Um, eventually, stories came out about her in 2018. But nobody ever approached during this whole time that the FBI thought, thought, that Maria Butina may be a spy for the Russians. They never informed. They never gave defensive briefings to Republicans that came in contact with her. They never stopped it until 2018. 
And this is something that we should all be concerned about. This story is really big. I spent a lot of time on it. It's over 3,000 words. There's things in this story that I did not write. I could not verify. Really incredible claims uh, coming from Patrick Byrne, but I did not want to put those in there until I was able to verify everything in this story. I was able to verify their relationship that he had gone to the Department of Justice in April, basically, and spoke twice with uh, DOJ lawyers about what had happened and what had transpired be- between him and Maria Butina. So this is something very important. Please read the full story at SarahCarter.com. Again, that's at SarahCarter.com. I just need to go through all these stories. This is going to be a longer podcast than normal. We do have coming up an incredible guest. I mean, I can't wait to talk with her. She is amazing. And it's Cherie Murray. Uh, She is going to run against uh, current congressional representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in uh, New York's 14th congressional district. This is going to be huge, folks. You've got to listen. So stay listening because we have... Cherie Murray on uh, getting ready to come on with us, and she's going to be talking about the issues that are affecting her district and why she is challenging Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But let me get back to Russia, because we've got so much stuff happening here. I think that there's, uh, uh, more importantly, there was a great story written by my colleague, uh, especially my former colleague, John Solomon, who's now at the Hill, and it's Robert Mueller soon may be exposed as the magician of omission on Russia. Wow. So true. John, great headline, because that's what he is. He was the magician of omission. Although now, you know what? I don't want to put a lot on Robert Mueller's shoulders because we saw during the hearing last week, there was a lot of issues with his testimony and it appeared to many sources and to many people that Robert Mueller was not fully aware of everything in that report, of very little in that report, which leads me to believe that there were other people in charge of writing that report. And I think and I believe it's important that Congress get to the bottom of that. Was it Andrew Weissman, his pit bull? Were there other uh, prosecutors on the team that were putting that report together? And, and frankly, I think it was a shame what happened to Robert Mueller and, and what they put him through. It was a real shame. But let's get back to John Solomon's story. I mean, this is what's important here. You know, he says, while most of the political world focused its attention elsewhere, a special prosecutor, Robert Durham's team, quietly reached out this summer to a lawyer representing European academic Joseph Misfood. And one of the earliest and most mysterious figures in the now closed Russia collusion case. Remember Mifsud? He was the guy that basically was in communication with George Papadopoulos, who was the volunteer for President Trump at the time, then campaign Donald Trump. Uh, This is so important because he was the man that basically told George Papadopoulos about those connections with Russia. He said, hey, look, I've been talking to some Russians. There's some emails here of Hillary Clinton's that I think they got their hands on. What do you guys want to do with them? This is so important because what you didn't know and what we've been reporting on for weeks, maybe for months about Mifsud, is that he's connected to Western intelligence. He's connected to Western intelligence. Not Russian intelligence, guys. This isn't about Russia right now. And now his attorney is claiming, his attorney is claiming that 
that he was working for Western intelligence during that time. So that means the guy that talked to George Papadopoulos that got this entire crossfire hurricane July 31st, 2016 investigation, which is what they claim. I actually think the investigation started much earlier in late 2015, and I'll explain that to you next week and why. But this guy, George Papadopoulos, who was supposed to be central to everything, basically got information, apparently, from somebody who was an informant for the West, somebody who worked closely with the CIA and with other Western intelligence agencies. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like a setup to me. We need to get to the bottom of that. And his attorney's on the record. So we need to get to the bottom of that. That's a great story. You can read John Solomon's report. Uh, Robert Mueller soon may be exposed as the magician of omission on Russia. You can read that at The Hill, and I suggest that you do. Now, I don't want to leave out such important news for tonight and, and tomorrow, and this is regarding the Democratic debates. And this is huge because we're going to have a full-packed night of Democrats debating each other And I don't even know where any of these people stand or what their platform is. So I'm hoping that we can actually get a platform tonight. We've got tonight, Marianne Williamson. She's going to teach us how to meditate. No, just kidding. I mean, I used to hear her all the time when she was on Oprah. So I know that she's a spiritualist and maybe she'll have a better performance this time around. We've got Tim Ryan. We've got Klobuchar, Buttigieg, Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Beta O'Rourke. Hickenlooper, that's a long name, but wow, he's going to come out and he's going to be debated. I'd like to see him and Sanders go at it. That'll be fun. And Delaney. So we've got them tonight, and I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, maybe Bullock. I'm not sure. But uh, they're all going to be out tonight on the debate, so I'm sure you'll be watching like I will, or maybe you won't. Um, Don't play any drinking games. But we also have a great story because not tonight is not going to be Joe Biden. That's going to be tomorrow night. We're going to be watching Joe Biden, and apparently he's the most at risk right now. I mean, Kamala Harris is gaining traction on Biden. I know a lot of people are seeing Biden as the, you know, the, he's going to be the presidential contender. It's going to be Biden. It's going to be Biden to run against President Trump in 2020. I wouldn't be so fast. I mean, Kamala Harris, she's coming up right behind him. So this is going to be something that we need to keep our eye on, you know? I mean, as the next 2020 approaches, it might not be Biden. Could he be picked again as a vice president? I don't know. Maybe Kamala will offer him that. I doubt it. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, Also with me today, because I do not want to delay. I know I've been talking a lot about Russia, a lot about what's going on uh, with the investigation. Remember, uh, John Durham is still investigating. Michael Horowitz is investigating. We've got a lot of things that are going to be breaking in the next few months, folks. Huge stuff. Huge stuff that we haven't heard about before on the Russia investigation. And I think it's about time the American people had all those answers. But let's talk a little bit about what's important to the American people. And I think it's about the everyday lives, right? Issues, jobs, security, uh, law enforcement, your own community. Really, the importance of those. And I don't want to forget about Baltimore. Look, I I lived in Annapolis, Maryland for quite a long time, and I would spend a lot of time in Baltimore. And we're hearing all of this rhetoric, people just targeting President Trump because he called out Elijah Cummings about what's happening in his district. Let me tell you, I spent a lot of time in Baltimore. 
And my son actually has a band. Alex has a band and he plays out there. He plays in Baltimore quite often. And I've been out there a lot and I'm so saddened. What a beautiful historic city. Nobody's even paying attention to and it's not the only one in our country, folks. I just came back from L.A. There's problems in Los Angeles. There's problems in San Francisco. Rats, a rat infestation, not not just in Baltimore, but in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in other states where nobody, where the congressional representatives aren't even paying attention to their own constituents because guess what? They're too busy investigating President Trump. It's already over. The investigation's done. There's no collusion. There was no obstruction, but they don't care. They don't care about that. They just hate him so much. And they just want to win this fight that they're not going to win. They just don't want to give it up yet. It's like the stages of grief, right? When somebody dies, they just don't want to admit it yet. They're still trying to prove something that isn't provable. But let me tell you, when President Trump tweeted about Baltimore, he did the right thing. And he did the right thing by not backing down. Because the people of Baltimore deserve better. The people of Los Angeles deserve better. The people of San Francisco deserve better. And guess what? The people of the congressional 14th district of New York City deserve better. And that is why I have on today Cherie Murray. She is an immigrant from Jamaica. She came here with her family when she was nine years old. To New York City, imagine coming nine years old, a little girl, you know, I I think about that when I think about my own family and my grandmother. I mean, she, you know, she took her test for her citizenship. She's so proud to be an American and she loves to talk about these things and about the life that her family built for her and about the great education she got here in America and how she took advantage of that and how she made a life for her and her family. You know, she is such an important example of what we do when we work hard and when we care. And I truly believe that she cares deeply about her constituents. Look, she cares deeply about this country. She talks about all kinds of things in her previous interviews or if you watch her, uh, you know, her political uh, 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 commercials and she talks about how she, you know, she struggled and how she built a life for herself and how she really supported, even supported uh, President Barack Obama and then realized he wasn't living up to what he had promised, particularly for minority groups in this country. He just didn't live up to it. He did not live up to those to those things that needed to be fixed. And she talks about how in the beginning, you know, with Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was she was grateful. She was thinking, okay, here's somebody that's coming up, somebody that's going to represent our people. And then she talks about how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has just failed miserably in her district and why she is going to run against her. And why she is challenging her. Remember this district, and I'm going to say it again throughout this program. This district has not seen red since 1993. And I'm so happy to have Cherie on the line with us now. Uh, I am a fan of yours, Cherie. You have really made a difference um, in your community. And you represent the best 
of America and having you on the show and being able to talk to you about things that I I think I'm curious about because I haven't heard a lot of your story in Jamaica, what it was like growing up as a young child there and then coming here with your family. So first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to start right up up off the top uh, asking you about your time in Jamaica and the trip that your family made here to the United States to New York uh, and 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 let you talk a little bit about that um, as an immigrant considering there's so much debate going on right now. Yes, Sarah. Thank you so very much for having me on your podcast. I just want to say hello to all of your listeners out there and uh, all of uh, America who have just welcomed our campaign. Um, We launched just under two weeks ago uh, with our video just highlighting my life, how I migrated to this great nation from Jamaica. I was nine years old, Sarah, and I went through the education system here. And in doing that, I also um, took that test to become a citizen. And it was one of the most rewarding opportunities just to be cemented in the fabric of this great nation and to get the opportunity to take advantage of all of what this nation offers. Um, I migrated here with my family. I'm now a mom raising my own family. So um, my family now is invested in, in this great nation, and I want nothing more than to be a great example um, for the youth coming up. Um, and that's why I'm in this race. Uh, I think the dialogue on the national level, the rhetoric, certainly needs to be dialed back. I think um, the disdain for our president is uh, clogging the view and the love for this great nation, Sarah. Um, I'm in this race to unite the fight, and I'm happy to speak with you and to just go further into myself and my platforms and why I'm in this race in the 14th Congressional District in Queens and the Bronx. You brought up a really good point. You know, there's so much rhetoric. Uh, we're not talking to each other. We're talking at each other. Uh, this dialogue that you discussed, you know, clogging uh, our ability to speak to one another, particularly the disdain that so many people uh, on the left have uh, for President Trump has really affected us as Americans, our ability to kind of come up with solutions and talk to each other. Talk a little bit about that in more detail. How has that affected your congressional district, the 14th congressional district? Tell me a little bit about how your constituents, the people that you hopefully will represent one day uh, and that you hope to represent are being affected by that? Well, thank you, Sarah. What we see now is our current representative choosing conflict over constituents. Um, The divisive rhetoric has put forward nothing that is substantive to those kitchen table issues that the voters, the people um, in the district are facing. And so I think it's time for us to start to highlight policy, which is one of the reasons why we're elected to um, the legislative body. And some of the things that I'd like to see uh, uh, worked on on the national stage with our president is comprehensive immigration reform, Sarah. And we need to make New York more resilient and and work out that um, infrastructure deal with the president, including um, education. Those are some of the highlights as I plan to roll out my campaign. But I do believe that we need to start talking about those substantive issues, those kitchen table issues that are affecting the American people, that are affecting legal immigrants in this country, Sarah. And that's important because coming from an immigrant, and I'm the first generation born on my family side, uh, my mother's side from Cuba in the United States. So I 
understand how these issues, and I don't think a lot of Americans really do, how they are the kitchen uh, table conversations that we talk about every day, and particularly right now with immigration, you know, not everybody's all in one basket. Immigrants are as concerned about this issue and not always siding with what we're hearing with the rhetoric, you know, uh, on the left. And I think that we really need to bring these discussions to the forefront. I want to play you a clip really quick. This is a uh, representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is now representing uh, your district. You hope to challenge her in 2020. And Tom Homan, who was the former director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, can we play that clip, Madeline? Thanks. Tolerance was interpreted as the policy that separated children from their If parents. I get arrested for DUI and I have a young child in a car, I'm going to be separated. When I was a police officer in New York and I arrested a father for domestic violence, I separated that Mr. father from Holman, with all due respect, legal asylees are not charged with any crime. When you're in the country illegally, it's violation 8 United States Code 1325. Seeking asylum is legal. If you want to seek asylum, you go through the port of entry, do it the legal way. The Attorney General of the United States has made that clear. Okay. And we... Right there. So we're, we're hearing, this is the debate that we've been hearing over and over again. People not understanding the law correctly or the fight over what what laws are really affecting our country's ability to kind of control this immigration flow. And as an immigrant, you know, you came here with your family. Um, my family came in through the Johnson Freedom Flights. Tell me a little bit about what you think can be accomplished um, if we stop put it, if we put the rhetoric to the side and we can move forward as as a, you know, as a hopeful to represent the congressional 14th district, what what do you think you can say to help kind of resolve some of these issues and 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 basically talk straight about these uh, legalities that we're dealing with right now? Absolutely, Sarah. I think we need to unite the fight um, to keep America great. If that makes the most sense, right? Like we need a legislative body that's willing to work with our president. He has done nothing but deliver on his promises. President Trump's policies and his presidency has benefited minorities in the United States. And he should be commended for passing legislation, signing into law the First Step Act, which also um, he should be commended for uh, the Invest in Opportunity Act, which also rolls out the Opportunity Zones. The president has delivered on his promises, Sarah. The economy is booming. Um, economic development is happening all across the country, with the exception of New York, where AOC killed the Amazon deal, which blustered some 25,000 good-paying jobs here in New York. This is the type of rhetoric that we don't need, and this is the type of rhetoric that's not going to get us anywhere. We need to start delivering on solutions, not highlighting the, the conflict um, that we currently face as a nation. We need our legislative body to work together, Sarah. And I think it's important for us to now get over um, the investigation, 
get over the disdain for the president and work with President Trump. I support him 100%, and if elected, I look forward to bringing policies to the forefront like comprehensive immigration reform, like infrastructure, and also um, advocating on behalf of education. These issues are important to everyday Americans, especially uh, New Yorkers in Queens and the Bronx era. Well, we've seen this, right? So we have, um, you know, large sections of our population, particularly Latino, African-American, um, other minority groups that have really uh, there's been a huge change after President Trump. We've seen the lowest unemployment rates uh, with some of the minority groups. We've seen a, a real movement towards business. First Step Act is huge. I think it's the first time we've seen a president actually fulfill this promise. Um, and now we're seeing the left really focused on a few things that really have nothing to do with our nation moving forward. One being continuously advocating basically for illegal immigration, um, exactly. no borders, taking down ICE, taking down, you know, these important um, agencies. Sarah. Yeah. It's lawlessness, and that's what we're seeing. We see our congresswomen likening our detention centers to concentration camps, which is an insult to all of the Holocaust survivors, Sarah. I mean, this is the type of rhetoric that's being seen on an international level when we talk about foreign policy. And so we cannot have um, neighboring uh, nations seeing America in such disarray. And I really think it's time for us to dial back the rhetoric and to focus on people who elected you into office. We have a homelessness crisis in Queens. We have a housing crisis in Queens. We have... Um, the, the, the drive out of Amazon. We have the proposal of the job killing Green New Deal. These are the type of policies that we see from this representative. And if we keep this person in office, I don't think that, uh, the people of the district are going to fear. And I don't think that they're going to see the results that they voted for. Cherie, you were really, uh, you know, you really backed her in the very beginning. I mean, you were hoping. I think you were very excited. Um, you've talked about this publicly. You know, uh, here's a minority, a woman going forward, running for office. Um, in the beginning, you thought, okay, here, let's give her a chance. Let's see what she can do. Can you talk a little bit about your decision back then? Um, yes. Also, what changed? Absolutely. Listen, that's inside baseball. As a, um, a duly elected member at the time of the New York State Republican Party, uh, we were all happy to see um, uh, Nancy Pelosi Top Lieutenant Joe Crowley become ousted. And so to congratulate someone on um, a win or to congratulate someone on doing something which may be a milestone for them, when did we get to a point in history or time when we cannot acknowledge that fact? So I think it's a combination of being a good-hearted person, right. but also the inside baseball of politics. Um, Joe Crowley was the Queens County Chair, the Democratic Queens County Chair, and being a member of the Republican hierarchy, that allows a pathway for us to field more candidates, run more candidates, and pick up seats in Queens, which is a predominantly blue borough. So the state of New York is blue. We're, we're now a sanctuary state, um, thanks to our governor and our mayor. And this is the type of lawlessness that we see coming out of the far-left Democratic Party. And we really need to remember that America is a republic, a That's constitutional it. republic. 
I wanted to play you something so really. Far away from that, Sarah, and we need to start having these serious conversations. Absolutely. Um, I want to play you something really quick. It's a little clip from Nancy Pelosi and uh, talking about uh, the district. It wasn't in districts like mine or Alexandria's. However, wonder, I'm, I'm, she's a wonderful member of Congress. I think all of our colleagues will attest. But those are districts that are solidly democratic. This glass of water would win with a D next to its name <laughs> in those districts. And what do you have to say to Nancy Pelosi about that? I mean, that statement's pretty blanket. Nobody is going to have a chance to win unless they're a Democrat. What do you say? Well, she also said, Sarah, that if uh, you were a bottle of water and you put a D next to it, that you could also win the district. So that doesn't speak well for the current representative. But it also speaks to the time in which we are where constituents here in the state don't have an option. And so they have an option in me, someone who has voted for people um, over the past in my voting record. And that's why you see um, that I voted for uh, former President Barack Obama, because he inspired me as an African-American, right? You vote for people and the policies that they put forward, Sarah. But when, you know, Obama had two terms, and after his two terms, I was quite underwhelmed in terms of the policy that he rolled out. And in contrast to President Trump, President Trump should be commended for delivering on criminal justice reform, something I hoped that President Obama would have done in his tenure. So these are factors um, when you look at the overarching elements as it relates to what our elected representative um, should embody. Uh, These are the type of conversations we need to have, shift the dialogue from the far-left, divisive conflict um, of propaganda that we see spewing out of the left. And really, let's start to talk about policy. The president has laid out a lot of policies that still need to be tackled. And I'd love to work with the president on tackling some of my policy uh, platform, Sarah, as it relates to getting more money in the pocket of the people here in Queens and the Bronx. If you had one, uh, one opportunity to just talk to the people in a in the Bronx right now to tell them exactly what it is you want to do with them, how you will work with the president, how you'll bring jobs back, how you'll change your district, how you'll bring the economy back in the district and lessen the homelessness and tackle some of the big issues that are affecting the people of the congressional fourth, fourth dist- uh, 14th district. What will you do and how will you do it? Listen, Sarah, that is a wonderful question, and thank you. I have a record of accomplishments, as I said, as a grassroots leader for over 10 years working across the aisle, from the city council level all the way to the federal um, uh, level working with the United States Department of State. I've garnered accomplishments as a mom and as a grassroots community leader. And if I were elected, I would bring that same energy to unite the fight in the legislative body to work on policies that garner solutions, Sarah, so that we can do better for the people who elected us and do better for their overall quality of life. Um, Issues that we face on a day-to-day are quality of life issues. And if you can make those issues better for everyday people, then you would have done your job as a legislator. Um, Advocating on behalf of illegal immigration, illegal immigrants, lawlessness is not what um, the people here in the district, what we elected um, our representatives to do. So I just challenge all of the far left leaning politicians out there who continue to spew this rhetoric that's divisive and detrimental to America to stop and let's focus on policy. 
You heard it here for Cherie. She is telling uh, our listeners and telling the left, let's just stop the rhetoric. Let's move forward. Let's talk about policies. Let's work together as Americans to make life better for us here in our country. And when we do that, we make it better for people everywhere. We will help stop the flow of human trafficking and, and contraband and drug trafficking issues like immigration. But most importantly, most importantly, we will help people in their own congressional districts, the constituents, the Americans who are looking for a better life, who want to see jobs come back to their district, who want to see law and order. And it sounds like, Cherie, like you're that person. Um, you are going to have a big challenge ahead of you in 2020. And we're so looking forward to bringing you back on the show and to talking about the issues that mean most to you and your uh, hopefully your constituents in the future and uh, just discussing those issues and having you here on the show to do that. Thank you so much for being with me today. I can't tell you what an honor it is. Uh, I think you're the American dream, and it was just such a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we get a chance to do it in studio soon. Thank you so very much, Sarah. If I may take this moment to just direct all of your listeners to my website, sheriemurray.com. As you stated, it is a tough battle ahead. We have a path to victory, and all the small contributions that come in, we welcome and we ask for. So please go to sheriemurray.com, sign up for, on our contact page, and you'll get our emails announcing our policy platforms, and also make a small donation as we're going to need it to unite the fight to uh, keep America great, Sarah. Thanks again. Thank you so much. You heard that. SheriMarie.com. You want to go there. You want to check out what she's doing. This could be history. I mean, we haven't seen that district uh, change from Democrat from blue since 1993. So this is going to be a big deal. And Cherie's going to need all the support she can get from out there. And it's going to be awesome to watch it happen. So I look forward to having her back on. Thanks. Thank you. Wasn't that a great interview? I mean, I could spend all day talking to Cherie Murray. I, I think she's just such an incredible woman. I, I got to tell you, it wasn't long enough for me. I wanted to know more about her life in Jamaica. What was it like? What's her family like? Has she gone back? How does she feel about, you know, working with uh, immigrants in her own community? And what will she do for them? Uh, and especially, well, I'm talking about legal immigrants because there are so many legal immigrants. We're forgetting about their stories. And what they're doing. Anyways, she is just phenomenal. And I I really look forward to having her back on the show. And we have so many more great guests coming on our show in the next few weeks. Please stay tuned. I can't tell you how excited I am about this podcast. We have been doing phenomenal. And it's because of you, the American people, and our listeners that are out there every day and who care. And who care about politics. You know what? One thing I want to say, too, uh, before I tell you about a story that I have coming up, uh, is I think that the whole Russia saga actually did something good for our country. Not, I think it's done more bad than good because, well, we've seen, it's exposed all of this terrible malfeasance at the highest levels of some of these agencies. But one thing it did for us is it got us more aware as people, as constituents, Right. It made us more aware of what's going on so that we can become an active part of our political system, which is what our founding fathers intended us to do. Remember, folks, they work for us. We don't work for them. We need to hold them accountable. And I'm talking 
the United States government, and I'm talking about our agencies, and we need to support those people in law enforcement, but we really need to understand that, that they work for us. And that it is our voices that are important here. And that's why I had Cherie Murray on. I want to talk to you a little bit about a story that I have coming up. I, I did speak with uh, uh, Congressman Devin Nunes. And, you know, he has worked diligently for years. He took it from the left, you know, when they went after him at the very beginning of the investigation into the whole uh, Russia probe uh, with Donald Trump when he was looking into the FBI. Also, he was investigating what was going on with the weaponization of intelligence uh, in the United States. He is an incredible person that has really stood up to some of the toughest and most incredibly powerful people in Washington and has survived. So I have a great story uh, with him coming up and the importance of why we need to investigate Cambridge, which was the, um, you know, the Cambridge school in London where Stefan Halper was working and also the London center where Joseph Mifsud was working. As I talked about earlier regarding the story about John Solomon and how important it is to find out what was happening overseas. How were we using other intelligence agencies to basically skirt around our own laws to gather communications, to basically spy on an opposition candidate to spy on then-candidate Trump, President Trump. We need to look into that. We need to investigate that. Listen, folks, it's been so great having you with me today. SarahACarter.com. Go there to see the latest story on Nunez and everything else. I can't tell you how happy I am. This is where the story begins, and we are taking the story back, folks. Thank you so much for having, uh, for listening to me today, and we will continue to investigate the investigators. This story is far from over. Thank you. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.